hear the end of the story from today's gospel reading, which is also part of today's text. Then the woman, leaving her water jar, went back to town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Schools across the country have started this new program called the Buddy Bench. It's a great program. It's all about helping people to recognize when somebody is feeling alone or isolated. The point is that if you feel alone, if you feel like no one's noticing you on the playground or you, you feel like you don't have anyone to play with, you go and sit down on that bench and others will recognize, notice your need and will come and sit with you and, and come to seek to include you in the group. It's a great program. It's a safe way to help kids recognize the needs of those around them. But if we're honest, even as adults, there are times when, when we could use a bench like that. We could use a buddy bench where, where people would notice when we're feeling ashamed or alone, isolated or we're hurt, and we wish somebody would notice our pain, that somebody would come and sit beside us, sit with us. And so sometimes we maybe go and sit on that buddy bench, metaphorically speaking, in our minds, hoping people will come near, hoping people will see us. But they don't. And we sit there and we sit in our isolation, in our shame. We sit there feeling excluded in those dark minutes, hours, days, and even months. Over time, the, the emptiness we feel doesn't go away, but we get a little more numb to the pain. We get a little more used to it, and so we learn how to cope with it, even if it's not okay. We learn how to just get by with the status quo. In today's gospel story, we see this woman at the well who is cast aside. She's ashamed. She's excluded from the town. When we first hear the story, we find out that, that she's had five husbands, and the man she's with now isn't even her husband. She's a mess. She can't get it together. She's alone and isolated. She doesn't even have a name. She's just some nameless Samaritan woman who's a complete disaster, coming out to the well in shame. She's somebody who, whose reputation would have been known around town. Everybody knows and defines her by her regrets, by her mistakes, by the things she feels guilty about and ashamed of. That's, that's all anybody seems to know about her. And when that's all anyone knows about you, you start to take that in. You feel like nothing. You feel like you have no value. You feel unimportant. You feel like you just don't matter. That's how she had felt. She was excluded and isolated. 
And as she comes out, and it says, in the sixth hour of the day, which is that time of day when, when people don't normally come to get water, but because she's an outcast, because she's in shame, she's coming in the middle, the heat of the day when no one else will be there. And she walks out as if it's any other day, but there's Jesus sitting there. And then he asked her for a drink of water, and, and she's surprised, because people like Jesus don't talk to people like her. First of all, he's a Jew and and she's a Samaritan and and we don't have anything to do with people who are Samaritans if you're a Jew. You keep them at an arm's length. Secondly, Jesus is a, a rabbi, a teacher. He's a holy man. And she is a woman coming out in shame. Her sinfulness is known. People like Jesus just don't talk to people like her. And so she's shocked. But Jesus doesn't care much about her reputation. He doesn't care what other people might say or think. He sees her. And he wants to talk to her. He won't let her expectations deter the conversation. And so as they continue to talk, he he moves forward from talking about asking for a drink of water from the well to offering some living water for her soul. But she misses the point. See, she's, she's been on that buddy bench for so long and no one's ever come that she just thinks no one cares about her needs. No one cares or knows what she really desires. And so she misses the point. See, Jesus is saying that I am the living water that you will find thirst for your soul. You will find that quenches the thirst of your soul. I am that living water. Anyone who drinks from me will not be thirsty again. He's offering that water that quenches the insatiable desire of her soul for value, for meaning, for love. The things that she's been longing for but have been withheld from her for so long. But you see, she's had five husbands before and the man she's with now isn't her husband. And a woman in first century Palestine found her value, her worth, her security in the man she was married to, or in her sons and children who provided that security. She has been in a place of shame, a place of instability, a place where she never knew what was going to be there tomorrow. And so she can't hear what Jesus is actually saying to her. She misses, at least initially, what Jesus is offering, this living water. See, she needs what Jesus is giving, that that value, that purpose, that love, that grace. Jesus is saying that he alone is where the insatiable thirst of the soul is quenched. He is that place alone. But she can't seem to hear the message. You know, when we hear her story, we, we often roll our eyes. You know, we, we look, man, this woman just doesn't seem to get it. She doesn't get that Jesus is talking about something deeper. You know, Jesus always wants to go deeper, and she doesn't get the point. You see, we understand what Jesus is offering because we've heard the story. We get what he's offering, and that's why you're here. You're here because you believe that Jesus has what you need for your soul, that he has that living water that that quenches our desires, that satisfies the soul. We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. But when we look at the woman, when we see her shame, her insecurity, her desperation... 
we can identify with her plight. We can see a little bit of ourselves in her. See, that's, that's why we're here, because we've felt those kinds of things, and we recognize our need in Jesus. And so we've come here. We've come here to have Arthur satisfied. But if we know that truth, that Jesus is the only thing that satisfies the souls, our souls, then why are we still so thirsty? Why do we still need that drink of water? Why is it that we continue to put up the facade thinking that if we have the approval of others, if they don't know the bad parts of our lives, that things will be better? Why do we continue down the same road letting the guilt and shame over past actions that Jesus has already forgiven weigh us down? Why do we continue to live as addicts to our work life, thinking that if we just get that next promotion, if we just do enough, we'll get the value, the approval we're seeking? We're never going to measure up to the world's standards. We're never going to do enough to satisfy those needs. We're all thirsty. We're thirsty for better relationships. We're thirsty for better health. We're thirsty for better jobs, for for greater purpose. We're thirsty spiritually. We need something more, something deeper. And so we keep searching. Keep searching for that that something that'll satisfy our souls. See, when we see the, the woman at the well, we hear this story. We see somebody who, who functions as a mirror. We see a little bit of ourselves in her. She reflects a little bit of the desperation in our own lives. We see a reflection of who we are in her. See, she's become defined by her desperate thirst. So much so that she's not even given a name. And she's tried every system, every scheme to get that love, that meaning, that, that security that she longs for. But it never comes. And maybe you're thinking, Pastor, I'm not like this woman. See, I, I haven't been married five times. I don't, you can't really compare me with her. Well, maybe that's true. But have you tried five weight loss programs? Have you tried five different jobs or careers? Have you tried five different degree programs? Five different houses looking for the perfect place to live? Maybe you've tried five different churches or, or five different worship services, hoping that you hear a better message, hoping that you, you find the music that's going to connect with you, find the crowd that's going to make you feel like you have value. We continue to try and fill our emptiness by our own means instead of hearing Jesus' words that say they will satisfy our souls, satisfy the insatiable thirst. As we look at this story of the woman at the well, when it finally starts to sink in what Jesus is saying, when the message finally starts to get through, when she finally starts to hear it, the gospel that Jesus doesn't care about her reputation, that she's going to be included in a spiritual family that worships God in spirit, in truth, not by the ancient categories. When she finds out that that this is someone who's going to love her unconditionally, everything changes. Because this woman had experienced love in some form or another time and again, but it was never enough. Instead, it was love with conditions, 
love with rules, love that came for a certain amount of time, love that said she was passed around that could be disposed of when it was convenient, love that said she was never good enough. And so she hears Jesus' words. She hears the gospel that says God loves her. God hears her. God sees her. God doesn't care about her reputation. Seeing Jesus, every label and every category people place on you is shattered. He says, I see you and I love you. I love you. He says, I don't care about your past. I don't care about your sins. I don't care if you haven't lived up to what your parents had hoped you would become. I don't care if the world looks down on you. I don't care if your life is an unmitigated disaster and you just cannot get it together. I don't care what the world says about you. I love you. I love you. I love you so much I came into the world in a manger and entered into your messy brokenness. I love you so much I was willing to go the way of the cross and take your shame upon myself and in return give you life and freedom. I love you so much that even though now I am risen and ascended wearing the crown, I am for you. I am watching every one of your days and I care and love you. I care about you and I love you. Jesus says to you and me, who feel isolated, alone, broken, weary and ashamed, who are sitting on that buddy bench longing for something to come, who are thirsty and hungry. Come to me, and you will find that living water that satisfies your soul. Come to me. As we, as we begin to realize that, that we can identify ourselves in this world at the well, as we hear that truth of the gospel as it sinks in, all of our arrogance and our pride is stripped away. See, there is no place for a proud Christian because we don't deserve this. We haven't earned it. Rather, we stand awestruck that God knows us, God loves us, God sees us and our need. We live this life of amazement and joy and wonder that the God of the universe has claimed us through his son. It's not what we expect and it's not what we deserve, but it is what God has graciously given to you and me. What a blessed gift. We should be overjoyed. We should be crying out with the rocks and the the trees clapping their hands as the Psalms describe. We should be singing out to the Lord with joy for all that he has done for us. See, if we truly identify with the woman, woman at the well, then we should also respond as she does. We should go out into the city and cry out, come and see. Come and see what I have experienced. Come and see the God I know, the God who loves you, the God who sees me and knows me and claims me. As we come deeper and deeper into the gospel truth, we find courage and strength to share our story. See, as the woman went back into town, this woman who was broken and ashamed, she shared her whole story with the village. Even the parts that they might not have known. Are we willing to do the same? Are we willing to, sh to share 
those embarrassing, those dark, those shameful parts of our story that God has redeemed, that God has forgiven, that God has claimed so that he can use them, use them for his purposes, to share the good news. You know, when I walk the city streets of any town and, and even in defiance, you can see, you see it in the faces of the people around. You can hear it in their conversations. That same desperation we feel, that same emptiness, that same longing for something deeper that the woman at the well had, you can see it in their hearts. They, they need that living water. Are you willing to share your story and be an instrument of God where that water can flow from him through you into their lives? Because so many people in our culture are not going to walk in the front doors of this church to get what they need. Rather, we have to be like the woman. We have to run out into the city square and say, come and see. Come and experience the God whose grace is unfathomable, whose mercy is never-ending, whose love transforms my life and the living water that satisfies the needs of our souls. We need to go out and be those people who share that story. In Jesus' name, amen.